With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is hardwood handicappers vsan's premier nba betting podcast here are your hosts jonathan von tobel and kelly bidlin what up, folks? Welcome in another episode. Hardwood Handicap is our late week episode. And after a week off, he's back. And unlike Twitter, he's not going anywhere. Kelly Bidlin is what back on intro? the pod. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. How you doing? What an intro. Yeah, is Twitter, Twitter going to be alive 24 hours from now? Uh, who knows? Who knows? You know, it's funny. <laughs> I see a whole bunch of people like doing some weird farewell to like Twitter. And I'm like, guys, calm down. Like at <laughs> come, the end come. of the day, yeah, if, if it goes away, it goes away. Uh, I do find myself questioning where I'd get a lot of news uh, yes. from a handicapping standpoint. I will say there is an impact there, right? Like uh, in terms of injuries and whatnot, you can just sit there and refresh the NBA injury website, but uh, oh, there's an for, impact there, I guess. For NBA, for handicapping, for how we do it. I mean, I think it's monumental if that actually happened. I know that is not the point of this podcast and we will move on soon, but that, uh, I mean, for injury updates, me and you are constantly monitoring Twitter and TweetDeck for, you know, following every beat reporter on the planet for the minute we can get injury news to pounce on a number. So, uh, yeah, it, it might get really interesting here, I guess, if that happens. I would love to spend the next hour on the intricacies of Elon Musk and uh, his uh, operations in terms of Twitter, but we do not have the time. Uh, so I let's said start... everything I could say anyways. That's right. That's right. Uh, so let's start, as we always do, with some news around the NBA. Hardwood headlines. And the first bit of news, it's actually, I've kind of fudged it a little bit. I, this is news because it happened last night. Uh, and then I cheated because in the in the headlines, I actually put in an article. So it is technically a headline. Uh, but last night, we see Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors uh, go down. They fall to 0-8 on the road straight up, 1-7 uh, against the spread. It has not been good for Golden State on the road. They've kind of evened things out at home. But for the season, it's a little bit of a problem. And uh, what's a little bit more interesting, Kelly, are now the quotes coming out of the Warriors locker room. Uh, Steve Kerr last night, quote, we've got to get everybody on board on the same page in terms of worrying about winning. Right now, we're just scattered. It's a pickup game out there. There's no execution at either end. There's no commitment to the group to get three stops in a row to execute on offense. So we have talked about the Warriors before. Yeah. But the sample size is starting to grow now a little bit. So I guess we'll revisit this because we have some more numbers to back up what the issues are. Uh, how worried are you about Golden State now that we're about 13 games into this? They are still winless on the road and the struggles are still the same thing. 
they're you know they're a, they're a team I think I've thought more about than probably any other in the NBA so far this season just because this is a little uh, surprising and eye opening a bit. Um, I I don't I, John. There's a lot of problems we can point to. I'm I still don't know that I'm that concerned long term yet. Just we we there is so much time left to go in the NBA regular season, much less when we get into the playoffs. Um, I'm not freaking out yet, but I, obviously if you were within that team, there were concerns to be had. Um, you know, I, this was, we, we've hit on it before, but this was supposed to be the year where those old stars and kind of the new young group kind of meld together and continue to improve upon, you know, prop, uh, you know, possibly even what they accomplished last year. And that just, I mean, the young guys, I mean, we, we can talk about the problems with some of the some of the mainstays like Clay Thompson, Steph Curry and everybody. Well, Steph's fine. Uh, but, but, you know, right. uh, the young group, uh, I mean, this is really concerning what you're seeing out of Kamingo Wiseman. I mean, Moody's been OK, I guess. Uh, not ideal, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, those are those are guys that we expected to take, a, a, you know, maybe not a major step forward but a step forward and and at least contribute to this team's success and you're not getting it at all. Yep. The numbers here, so now that we're the sample size grows, uh Steph Curry when he leaves the floor, whew, the bench is averaging 35 points per game on the surface you'd say, "Hey, that's 11th in the NBA. That's great." However, no Curry on the floor, negative 13.1 net rating, so they're scored by 13.1 points per 100 possessions. Their offense is only mustering 102.6 points per 100 possessions. That is atrocious for an offensive rating. And you mentioned the young guys, like we were expecting, that's what the Warriors were expecting too. It's why they constructed the roster the way that they did. These are some of the numbers. Jonathan Kaminga, 5.2 points, 1.8 rebounds, 14 minutes a game. Moses Moody, 6.1 points, 2 rebounds, 16.8 minutes per game. And James Wiseman, 6.8 points, 3.8 rebounds, 13.4 minutes a game, and a brand new G Leaguer as he has been sent down to the G League and is going to be there for as what they have called an extended period of time. So this has been a nightmare for their depth because I don't know about you, Kelly, but when the season started, and I'm just going to the, the game last night against Phoenix, I did not expect the bench rotation to be Jordan Poole, Dante DiVincenzo, Anthony Lamb and Jermichael Green, because those are the guys they got on the bench, uh, got on the floor for them yesterday. Yeah. That's a that's a problem, dude. And I think, like, I do I do I fear that the Warriors will miss the playoffs? No, but do I think that this is the difference between them and the Phoenix Suns, who they are now zero two against, or the others contenders in the, in the Western Conference, in them winning the West? I would say yes. Like, I think there's some some weight to what we've seen early. If they're not going to make any changes. I think that does make the difference between them and the other teams in winning that conference. Is that fair? Yeah, uh, totally, totally. Well, I, I think the one thing, I mean, the one thing I will give them is this Western Conference feels pretty wide open right now. Um, yeah. Yes, it feels I think very AFC-ish, doesn't it? Yes, like it in, does. in the NFL? Yes, it does. Like, yes, there are a few teams that, that I think I still consider at the top, but Man, I mean, this is a team that I was expecting to be right there. Um, you know, I think we talked Phoenix. We could talk the Clippers. I'm not really worried about, you know, the, an 8-7 and seven start there. I, I, I think that team is so deep. And if you, it, it all obviously depends every year if we get a healthy Kawhi, healthy Paul George in the playoffs of how much that matters. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, this team is definitely behind them right now. Uh, and, the, yeah, there's concerns. Um, I mean, the, the bigger question, though, I think JVT is, is what, what can they do? You know what I mean? Like what you're 
I mean, heading into this season, you might have had a lot of it, a lot of attractive young pieces that maybe you could have moved for something. But now, what? I mean, one's going to the G League, the number two overall pick from what two, three years ago, whatever it was, two mm-hmm. years ago at this point. Uh, you know, Kaminga, yeah, yeah, maybe there'd be some interest in, but you know, some of these guys you were planning on be- uh, building the future of your franchise around, and then. I mean, you have aging stars, you know, to put it nicely. Obviously, you're not you're not going to move Steph Curry, but I think even if you you know even if you were going to consider to do something with Clay or Draymond, I, is there really that many people out there that are going to be running for running to put in trade offers for either one of those guys? No, not at all. And that then from a betting standpoint too, and this is obviously our main focus. So there's a couple of angles here. First off, it's the market just refuses to budge, right, yes. on, on Golden State. Uh, you know, I called it last uh, – I think I was on with you guys yesterday, right? Every day melts yeah. together. Um, yeah, but it. I called it the market spot of the day where this number for against Phoenix opened up Phoenix minus two. It closed Warriors minus two, and it was heading that way the second that thing opened overnight. And the market was all over Golden State. And I kind of got it, right, the big revenge spot, if you will. But the market has not really budged on its perception of this team and it's why they are where they are from a spread standpoint as well. Uh, not only in terms of on the road, again, one and seven ATS, but for the season, Golden State five and 10 against the spread in their 15 games, the market has shown no, like no budging at all. And look, I've been try- I've tried, right? I think it was the home game about a week ago or two weeks ago where they hosted uh, Sacramento, laid seven and a half, got a half point of closing line value because mm-hmm. it closed eight. Uh, and they needed a massive comeback to even win that game. I, I have taken my shots. I have no longer done it, but I am amazed to see that the the market has been as stubborn as it has been on its rating of this team as well. Yeah, they're they're a team that, that they are a hard stay like just stay away from me right now because I still yeah. I mean look we saw I think last night's a great example right Steph Curry can go go off for fifty points you know he can still do that it is still in his capability yet they lose the game. Right. So it's, it's uh, right by 11. And yes, you could point to, I mean, I, th- I think as soon as you pull open that box score, the first thing you're going to notice is Steph Curry dropping 50 points. The next thing you're going to notice is the Phoenix Suns, you know, shooting 52% from beyond the arc or whatever it was. So, you know, I think those are, whenever a team does that, it's going to be hard to beat any team in the NBA when they're shooting 52% from three. Um, but you know, this is what you're getting with this golden state team right now. And I, and, and I love that you bet up for, you brought up the betting market side of this, and obviously that is the purpose of this podcast. But um, you know, Golden State not only so five and ten ATS on the season as a whole, but I was even looking up just heading over to team rankings and looking at the old ATS plus minus. So how much are they exceeding or falling short of covering the spread by? Right, and they are a league a league worst minus five point four points below below the spread. Uh, below covering what the spread would be. So that is last in the league. Um, There is Minnesota that is a tenth of a point better than them. Uh, And then it is a, it's a pretty wide margin to the Clippers and then the rest of the NBA. Yeah. And and it's uh, the other point about this, because, you know, we talk about market adjustments and you do like what a market adjustment looks like is is something that is not really like a tangible thing you can exactly point to. Right. But, you know, we have this, their upcoming schedule. They have a home game against New York. And, again, they've kind of played a little bit better at home. They beat the Cavaliers the other day, who actually we'll talk about in a moment. So, uh, and, and that's the home- thing. Like, yeah. like, Sorry, not to cut you off. But, like, so, like, that game, let's spin this forward, right, just to tomorrow night, to at Friday night at home against the New York Knicks, Knicks laying seven points, six and a half, seven, depending on where you shop around. But, like, we're talking about all of this, but are you running to jump on the Knicks tomorrow night? 
Because like I'm not, and I, and I, I think that there's, I, I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. I think everything that we're pointing to, you would say bet the Knicks, but it's, it's kind of a couple things you brought up already, right? It's, oh, well, it's Golden State. It's back home. It's a Friday night, big home spot, back, back in front of a rowdy crowd on a Friday night. New York Knicks, you know, on a, a long road trip that they've got going on right now. Uh, it's just not a spot I really want to mess around with this team. Yep. Well, and then here, let's do some line shopping, though, too, right? Like I mentioned that game against Sacramento. They, they are actually, let's go even better. Let's see a little bit more recently. They closed as a three point favorite against Cleveland. Do you think that Cleveland's only three and a half points better than New York? Because I would say no. I think that gap's a no. little bit wider, yeah. right? And so there's like, when I talk about adjustments, there's something right there where that does seem on the surface like a number that is pretty short for this Warriors team, given where we've seen them rated. Yeah. I think it would be actually Warriors or pass as we're talking about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, yeah, that's, other- a great, that's a great point. I mean, the Cavaliers are at least, I mean, I don't know, I would make them five points better than the Knicks. Yeah, at the very least. I mean, given the way they're at playing, least. right, and maybe, but yeah, for sure. And the other point I wanted to bring out here uh, when it came to the Warriors, right now Jordan Poole is 3-1 to one to win sixth man of the year. He should be like 20-1 to one to win sixth man of the year. Poole has been bad. Uh, he is not really playing very well. It, like on the surface, you're like, ah, oh, 16 points per game. What's wrong with that? He's shooting 33% from three, 42% from the floor. Uh, when it comes to like on-court, off-court numbers for the Golden State Warriors this year, pool, guess what? Their net rating worsens by 19.3 points per 100 possessions when Poole gets out there. He's been awful on offense. He's not a good defender. I, I'm like, again, when you're shopping around in some of these markets, there's always some value to find. Yeah. But as you look at it, and the sixth man of the year market, Kelly, is Russell Westbrook at plus 120, <laughs> Jordan Poole at three to one, Benedict Matherin at eight yeah. to one, and then Christian Wood at nine to one. I'm sorry. And I just read a piece from ESPN about like some early season awards. There were two names that were brought up by those writers. It was Benedict Matherin at eight to one. And I know he's missed some time, but Malcolm Brogdon at 18 to one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, look, this is a market. I mean, we've talked a lot about it in the probably past week, week and a half. I'm sure everybody covering the NBA has it from a betting standpoint. But, I mean, you can't bet either of those top two guys. right? I mean, right, I mean, w- w- Poole, you just laid out the case for. Westbrook, you and I talked about it a little bit on the show, uh, on the, show the other day. But, okay, it's a guy that, okay, what, we're going to give an award to a guy that basically got demoted out of a starting lineup uh, in Russell Westbrook that might eventually end up getting traded and being a starter on another team. I just, you know, it is November 17th as we record this podcast. Like there is a lot that could play out within this Lakers team that that I would have absolutely no desire to touch Russell Westbrook in almost any number in this market. So, I, I mean, you start, you, okay, like you say, you knock off those two. Next one, you're starting to talk about betting in this market starting at eight to one. So, I, yep. look, this is one, if you want to take some flyers on some longer shots, I think it's a great market to look at. I added Kevin to love the other day at 150 to 1 here in town. I see he's down, he's at 40 to 1 at DraftKings now. Uh, but, look, I think there's plenty of options to talk about. Norman Powell, I know he hasn't gotten off to a great start this season, but you and I were very high okay. on head, heading into the year. I mean, 65 to 1, still a long season to go. I still think that's a uh, that's a viable bet. Yep. I just think the way the market's shaping up, like you're kind of pointing out here, all of these are viable bets. Like starting with Mather and at eight to one and going on, these sure. are all viable candidates, just given the fact that the top of the market, Russell Westbrook is there because of liability, not because of play. 
and yep. Jordan Poole stinks and he's up there again because of liability and popularity as opposed to the way that he's actually played. So six man of the year is a really intriguing market. And uh, I would not be surprised. Malcolm Brogdon, um, now that he's back, is probably going to start climbing boards here uh, when it comes to his odds to win this. So we move on from there. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Love. So let's get to them. The Cleveland Cavaliers dropped their fifth consecutive game the other night against Milwaukee. After an 8-1 start, they're now 8-6. and six. So I'll ask you what you have seen from Cleveland through these five games and how worried you are because uh, there's two things for me here. First off, if anybody wants to point to Jared Allen not playing, he only missed the last two games. So he was on the right. floor for three of these losses for Cleveland. And the other part is they're starting to show some signs, and I'll give some more details on this, about the team that I wrote about in the NBA guide. In the NBA guide, it wasn't that high on Cleveland. And I think I picked them to finish like seventh or sixth. Uh, not even sixth. I think I was seventh or eighth. But regardless, I think well, there I, were some flaws in this team. I think I was team. up there at sixth or seventh, something like that. Yeah, like I, I think there were some flaws in this team that weren't really being talked about that might be exposed over the last five games. What have you made of this? Well, I will say, looking at their schedule, they have not had an easy schedule out of the gate. So mm-hmm. I, I'll give them that. Uh, you've dealt with the Jared Allen injury. And, and look, we could, you know, we can pick apart the problems with the Timberwolves and the Warriors right now, but I still think we would consider them better uh, you know, better than most in, in the NBA. And, the, you know, those are two teams they fe- faced recently and lost to. Um, you know, the Kings, Kings playing better, uh, playing pretty good ball right now. Uh, you know, losing to them, losing to the Clippers. I, I mean, the schedule has not been easy. Jared Allen being out a couple games, I understand. I, I mean, look, JVT, this is, a, this is the team that I think the questions that I had heading into the season remain. It's, Okay, you've got a dynamic scorer in Donovan Mitchell. Now you have an incredible front court presence with Jaron Allen and what Evan Mobley could do as far as roaming around to different spots around the court to make an impact defensively. Um, it's just, it's really on, I, I think, defending the, the wing positions in the NBA, which is so important these days. And I don't really know if they have that guy or two uh, to constantly throw at some of the best guys that they're going to face in the league you know, when you look at a Boston, whether it's Jay, whether it's Tatum or Brown, and when you look at, uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at, obviously, if you look at Milwaukee, Giannis is a problem every single night. Obviously, um, it's just those are the guys that are still so key in this league to be able to not only have on your team from an offensive standpoint to be able to, be able to guard defensively, and I think that's I think that's an a, a problem area for this team right now, um, and and probably will be for the majority of the season unless they make a change. Yep, absolutely. And if you look, so over this five-game stretch, uh, defensive rating, 122, worst Mm -hmm. in the NBA, and that's very bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you just go back, like watching that Cleveland-Milwaukee game just uh, last night, right, they dropped them for their fifth straight game. What what Milwaukee was doing, they were doing two things. Uh, One, they were running a whole bunch of pick-and-pops with Giannis and Brooke Lopez, and Lopez was destroying them. I think he hit hit seven threes last night. (laughs) I was going to say, he had like 30 30 (laughs) points or something, right? Yeah, so he was absolutely destroying them in some of those pick-and-pops. But the other thing that was really noticeable was they were using Javon Carter as a screener, and they were running Darius Garland through the mill. They were going after him everywhere. They were making a move off ball. They were making him switch. They were putting him in so many different actions defensively, and Garland had nothing. And, yeah. like, look, I like Darius Garland a lot as an offensive player, but this is what I wrote about in the guide. Like, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, they're going to be really good offensively, but how are they going to be on the defensive end of the floor? They brutal. went after Garland. 
so yeah. often in that game, man. And that's going to be a problem for him. And I think this yeah. is this is more like I think the Cleveland team I expected, obviously, not eight and one and kicking teams' asses. I, I think this is more like what we're going to expect going forward here, kind of floating around 500 and finishing middle of the pack of the Eastern Conference. You think that's fair? Um, I think I still have higher expectations from for uh, than that, but yes, I mean, I don't think they're going to be threatening for an Eastern Conference title or anything. I, I mean, look, I think there's going to be they they are a team because the way we just described how they built they are built. I mean, there's going to be nights where they run into incredible matchup teams for them, right? And there's going to be t- there nights that run they run into nightmare matchup teams for them because of everything we just laid out. You know, I mean those 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 guards with their scoring ability. Is going to be a nightmare for teams that can't really that have a tr- that have trouble guard you know guarding the guards guarding the smaller guys on the court and then yeah I mean Jared Allen Jared Allen can dominate the paint area and there's there's no doubt about that so yeah I you know I still probably have him pegged for I don't know six seven seed and probably somewhere right around there yeah. honestly I, I I but but that speaks a lot to the strength of the Eastern Conference too. I mean, I think there's, I think there's some te- those couple teams at the top, and then I think there's a lot of question marks be- below, you know, the Bucks, Celtics, basically at this point. Yep. And and to be fair to them as well, we'll see if this means uh, anything. So home court has meant a little bit more this year through the early portion of the uh, season. I've got it at th- uh, three right now in terms of actual median results and uh, average um, really? net rating at home has been about yeah, like two point nine points. Yeah, it's been okay. pretty high. Yeah, it's so pretty I'll, high. I'll, I haven't I haven't actually I haven't updated it for two days, so let me let me run this really quick and see what's going on here. Uh, but regardless, yeah, it's it's been pretty high early on, um, and at least average net rating at home and non garbage time, yeah, still plus two point nine. So we're still floating around three points for home court, and they have been on the on the road uh, recently. Four of their last five games have been on the road, and they're going to start a four game homestand against Charlotte. So that'll be interesting to see uh, if maybe they write the ship, especially if Allen comes back. But uh, Cavaliers very much worth watching, of course, throughout the season, but if they can snap this five-game losing streak and maybe get a little bit more even-keeled uh, with their play. All and right, they, they are injury. one of those – just real quick, John. They are one of those teams that I think we, – we talk about this a lot kind of with, with NFL teams sometimes, but I think they're one of these teams that because of, because of the different options that they do have to attack you with and def, you know defend you with down low, I expect them to beat up on the middle of the road and bottom feeders in the NBA, it's the, it's the top teams that I think they're going to have problems with, you know, fairly regularly throughout the season. Yeah. They, they should, um, they should smoke Charlotte. (laughs) Right. You know, right. You know what I mean? Like a team like Charlotte, they have no excuse against, there's no excuse against some of these bad teams in the NBA. Yeah. Like they're laying uh, open as nine and a half. That should close like 10 and a half or so, maybe even 11. And uh, they should, they should be able to smoke Charlotte. Uh, which is a natural jumping off point. So I have two injury stories to update here. Speaking of the Hornets, LaMelo Ball uh, re-injured his ankle in the loss to Indiana. Um, that was – so can I just say – so this is my hot take. So there's there's the betting angles here. And I don't think a lot of people are going to like my hot take, Kelly. I'm very uh, I think, I, thought I, this think I know where you're going, and I like it. <laughs> Why are fans allowed to sit so close to the court? It's dumb. Because like, for those who don't know, he injured himself going for a loose ball and stepped on a fan's foot and twisted yep. the ankle that kept him out up until two games ago. I've never understood why basketball is allowed to have people on top of the game like that. So there, there is – that's about number three 
on my list of, of, of stupid around the court things in the NBA. So, I mean, we are both media members. We've both been to different NBA games. I never understand why we need so many cameramen underneath each basket. We we are at a point basically in the media age where so much is shared anyways, where it's fine. Stick a couple AP camera guys down there. Let's all share what they get afterward. It is so crowded underneath the basket. Never understood that. And then the bigger problem, a bigger problem I have before I even get to fans sitting that close is how many times a week do we have to stop a game because there's a spilled drink by one of those fans? Right. <laughs> it's like, yep. So, and yes, I don't think it would be very fair of me to say no drinks allowed for anybody, in the, you know, in the front row. So I think that gets back to your point more of why do we have people sitting there? Like, why are there yep. people sitting there that are just fans? And uh, right now, LaMelo Ball has already been ruled out for this game tomorrow. Uh, Gordon Hayward is doubtful. Cody Martin's still out. Dennis Smith Jr. still out. Um, I like, I think so. As we this talk about where this wreck. game, huh? This team's a train wreck. I, I, I mean, obviously Lamel, the Lamelo injuries have set them back heading into the season, but oh man, is this team bad right now? Like, and so Cleveland, uh, I don't know how you, so how do you view si- certain situations? For example, like, so Cleveland, as I mentioned, they've been on the road a little bit, but it's not like they've had like a, an arduous road trip. They did have a West coast trip, uh, that spanned, what was it? Uh, five games. They came back home for a, road, a home game against Minnesota. They went right back out to Milwaukee. I would say, if you're a situational handicapper, yeah. um, coming back home after that loss to Milwaukee, a shorthanded Charlotte team that just lost to Mellow Ball again, this does have, as I kind of mentioned when the market might move here, this does have Cleveland bloodletting written all over it situationally. Yeah, totally. To- I-, I totally agree. However, I'm not running to delay that right. many points. It- really it's just something. It's just something. I know this... I know this is a bit of a cop out, but it's kind of you know kind of same thing in the NFL for me. NBA, I'm I'm just, I mean night night to night in the NBA, like what you and I bet it. It's just not something I'm looking to lay, you know, pregame, double you know double digit points or, or nine and a half or whatever. I mean, really, once you once you get beyond eight points in the NBA, uh, I mean that, that's just something I'm not almost ever doing uh, laying that much, but you know pregame at least. And maybe I'll yeah, I mean, look to hop in yeah, I was going to say, in-game, yeah, you're going to find a much better number. But it's going to be interesting. You mentioned how much of a train wreck Charlotte is now. Uh, they, Like I said, they lost that game to Indiana. Uh, they did get to beat up on Orlando, who didn't have Paolo Bencaro, but they have won one game since uh, October 29th, and that was that overtime win that they beat Golden State in. So everything all ties nicely together. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely yeah, ridiculous. Um, uh, I bet I bet Golden State in that game and watched them fool around with them. I was like, Jesus, what are we doing here? Um <laughs> But yeah, this is. Uh, I think this has a potential to get bad. And as I mentioned before, uh, the season started, Kelly, and you and I both talked about this. The sneaky candidate to tank was always going to be Charlotte. And if Lamelo yeah. Ball is out again for an extended period of time, I don't know why in the world you wouldn't try to ship off Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier and just strip this thing down. And this thing, I think, is going to start to burn pretty quickly for Charlotte as they move forward. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, look, they 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 actually look like one of the few teams that's uh, uh, that's doing a good job of tanking so far, right? Like, there's yeah. some there's some of these teams that you're like, why are you playing so well? Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're they're one of the teams that's actually doing pretty uh, uh, doing a pretty good job at it. You know, and, you look uh, we at, don't spend, I look at the Spurs all the time, and you're just like, I'm like Spurs, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Yep. You're supposed to be like, what happened to the whole like Tony Parker French connection thing? Like, I, I thought this was like obvious, written all over it, what we were doing this year. 
shoot, all of them. Indiana, Utah, uh, yeah. San Antonio, like all these teams. It's been nuts. I like an Indiana team, man. They got a lot of good, good young pieces. Um, I mean, they way, do, I mean, but like that's the point, right? Like, like go yeah. get some draft capital and go get some, you know, go get some things for these guys right now. Six, seven. Sorry, I'm counting out loud. Eight consecutive covers, by the way, for the Indiana Pacers. Oh yeah, they're and hot. they have won. They won six out of eight games. They have been absolutely tremendous. And I will say um, that uh, that Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, most improved player bet that I made at 12 to one. I do like it a little bit more every single day because uh, he good. leads the league in assists. He looks really, really good, man. Yeah. I, I mean, they she still, goes, kill me. yeah, she goes, Alexander is, uh, <laughs> I mean, he is, his game just keeps expanding. And then like, it's just, I've watched a bunch of their games so far this year. JVT. It's How just, awesome are they? I mean, he's, uh, yeah, sure. They're awesome. But like, he's the whole like focal point, right? Like there is yep. ne- like almost never looks to anybody else. Right. It's like SGA, like do something. And if you can't inc- try, inc- try to incorporate the rest of your team, <laughs> like, it's, it's, you know, it's just silly. Unless you have Dort, you know, sometimes you have those Dort nights where he's just like launching 23s and you're like, Dort, wait, when did you, when did you think you were like AI? Like, do it, like he's like trying like fadeaways, like, you know, you're falling out of bounds, launching up threes with nobody covering him. I'm like, what, what are you, what are you doing right now, man? Blue Dort, <laughs> my sneaky favorite player in the NBA. Oh, he's one um, of my favorites too because dude. of that. Is it like, he's yeah. got that, he's got that gunslinger killer mentality. It's like a J.R. Smith mentality. And you're like, you, you, but, but you don't have that talent, man. <laughs> right. Gotta believe, gotta believe. Uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time here, but it is worth mentioning. Kawhi Leonard is going to make his return tonight against Detroit. Uh, we will see what he looks like and what it means for him. Uh, but big news, just given the fact that, I mean, this does seem kind of serious, right? Like a, a stiff knee after getting surgically repaired, missing a bunch of time. So I just wanted to mention this because they are playing the Pistons later tonight. Uh, but it is very much worth mentioning Kawhi Leonard coming back and uh, will play tonight against the Pistons. And uh, it's a big deal for a Clippers team that is, you kind of mentioned them a little bit earlier. Yeah. They've been all right. Um, you know, they've been really just hanging and dying on, you know, Paul George's offensive performances every single night, but they've done a pretty good job. They've covered six of the eight games. Uh, they've evened out since the beginning of November, at least from a win standpoint. They've gotten up to eight and seven. So that looked dangerous for a little bit there after a four-game losing streak early in the season. Uh, I think they, were, they they bottomed out at like two and four. But they're, they're doing a little bit better now after a, a stretch of games where they failed to cover six consecutive. So Kawhi Leonard back. Well, and, uh, and well, okay, let's, 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 let's address that first. I'm going to go, I know you're a Clippers fan, so uh, sorry, but I'm going to play this game with you. Over under four and a half games that he plays before he misses a game again, not due to rest. Okay, so like, does it like, so like essentially over under four and a half games before he gets injured again? Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, maybe it's just a, a tweaked yeah. ankle where he misses one game, you know? Yeah, I'll go over. I'll still go over. I got faith. Okay. I, I mean, I he's he does have to put together some consistency here. I I will say one bright spot of this Clippers team so far that we cannot overlook, and and uh, I I'd like to be the guy to talk him up the most, but he's doing he's doing a lot of it himself. But John Wall, I yep. mean, hello John Wall off the bench, like you you've been looking pretty good. He's do he, I mean he's good for double digit points every single night. He had that ten point third quarter the other night. He was balling out in. I'm impressed with the athleticism. He looks like he still has JVT. A uh, couple three balls I saw him hit look pretty good. I don't. I don't know, man. You might. You might. You might have something here. And again, a team that is just so deep. And I think that's. I think that is so crucial in the NBA these days. We talk. You know, it was always about the the teams that had the big three for years and years and years. And I just. I just think we finally have realized 
get two big superstars and then you need to you need to be able to go about eight deep of solid solid role players and that's still what this Clippers team is they're a deep deep team with two superstar caliber players leading the way yep and uh if they man if they just get fully healthy I still think there's a lot there man uh if but uh I mean they're still my favorite team in the west like if you told me if you told me everybody was going to be healthy, I mean, I know that's a dream scenario in the NBA, but if you're like, everybody's, everybody's healthy by the end of the year, who wins in the West, who wins the Western conference? It's the Clippers. Yeah. I would still go there as well. And uh, it is pretty interesting. So I'm going to run these really quickly. So Paul George and uh, John wall on the floor together uh, with uh, actually, hold on. I filtered this incorrectly. Let me get this properly so I can talk about this. Cause I thought this was pretty interesting. All right. So with John wall point guard and Paul George on the floor, the Clippers are plus 4.4 per 100 possessions. Respectable, solid, offensive rating of 115.5. Um, with okay. Reggie Jackson at point guard and Paul George on the floor, a negative two per 100 possessions. To your point, I, I'm not sure if maybe it's going to you know happen anytime soon, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe John Wall does push Reggie Jackson out of that starting spot at point guard. It, the numbers have looked much better with him and Paul George on the floor together, as opposed to with Reggie Jackson out there. Yeah, well, I mean, the numbers don't lie, obviously. I, I think I think we're a ways away from that happening still, but I, I mean, I mean, I, I almost don't think the Clippers would would almost care who's in the starting lineup. It, you know, obviously, you're gonna pick the guy who's playing better, yeah. but I don't think you really mind that much as long, you know, assuming the players don't mind. Because we always got to keep their feelings uh, in mind, JVT. But, uh, but you know, you got two. You do have two point guards that can score, right? In both of those guys. So I think the idea of bringing either one of them off the bench is not is not a bad thing. All right, let's go to our. Uh, where we have a lot of stuff to get to here, so we'll fit them in. Uh, but there are three teams that I need to discuss on some sort of run, and you're going to tell me whether uh, uh, these are going to be uh, trends or trash, my friend. Trends or trash? The first up, Utah Jazz. 0-3 straight up and against the spread in their last three games, Kelly. They are down to 20th in non-garbage time defensive efficiency. Are the Utah Jazz turning into a pumpkin? They are who we thought they were, JVT. This is a trend. Absolutely, this is a trend. Uh Look, I, I mean, I've, I've been saying it for a couple of weeks that if the Jazz uh, continue to look like one of the best teams in the Western Conference, I will be broke uh, and probably uh, living on the streets because I, I have uh, been betting against them a lot already this season. And I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon, uh, even possibly uh, in a game tomorrow night. Yeah. I would agree. I think uh, the defense, the defense was playing with yeah, that's a tease. Uh, the the defense was playing with fire with the way that they were going, and uh, there were some shot quality metrics that said they're a little worse defensively. And sure enough, that has been the case. All right, yeah, next I, up, oh, go I, ahead. Mean, I, I love me some Kelly the Clinic Olynyk all day. You know what I mean? But yeah. when you're lying on him as one of your best players, I mean, come on, this cannot last. Uh, and when he when he's not ripping people's shoulders out of their sockets, I mean, Kelly, <laughs> he's just he, Olynyk's just not the same. Uh, all right. Next up, this is one of my favorite trends in the NBA. Um, Dallas Mavericks now 0-9-1 against the spread in their last 10 games. Trend. Trend or trash. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's there trend. we go. It's trend. I, I, I mean, this is a I – I just don't think this Mavericks team – I was discussing this the other day with a friend. I'm like, look, I, w- I love Luka Doncic. I, there's not many people on this planet that, that is a bigger fan of Luka Doncic than myself. But – 
I think there's some stubbornness from him, from the team, on how they wanted, you know, create and design this roster around him. Um, I know he has this great connection with Dwight Powell, but like, I don't know. Are we really like? Are you really going to go far in the NBA with some of the the way their roster is constructed? And I think the answer is no. And I think you saw that very clearly last night when he was out of the lineup, right? And that team gets blown out, and you don't have any really go-to offensive options. Um, it's a bunch of guys that, you know, are are okay getting involved every once in a while, but if you need to rely on them for an entire game, you're going to have major problems. So th- this team is built around completely around one guy. And, I mean, look, he has been amazing this basically this entire season. But the idea of him continuing to do that is... I think unfair to Luka Doncic and even during some of these games that he's he had, he's had massive scoring nights and massive, you know, triple double nights and near triple double nights. I mean, you, you laid it out. I mean, it's Oh, nine and one ATS in their last 10 games. That's just a fact. He is when he's on the floor, they are outscoring opponents by 4.7 points per 100 possessions. Their offensive rating is 117.1. When mm-hmm. he is off the floor, they are outscored by 3.5 points per 100 possessions and their offense rating I don't even know what's worse than plummets. 101.9. They go from 117 to 101 oh, in the minutes without him. It backs up what I just said completely, right? Yep. I mean, it's you yep. have nobody else. And yep. I loved the I loved the Christian Wood edition. And and that's that one's looking like it might be a smart ad. I was not expecting the Brunson absence to hurt as much as it seemingly is, right? Um, and, and it's left them without a secondary option, really. I mean, right. I, I mean, are we, do, are we really saying that? I mean, I guess the secondary option is Dinwiddie, right. But it's like that. That's not ideal. That's not ideal. And, and here's the thing. So I bet them under their win total 48 and a half because of this. And I thought they were going to miss Brunson this much, but not because Brunson was really in that. This is not a dig against Jalen Brunson, but it's because Kelly, they did nothing to replace him. Absolutely nothing. Like, yes. Yeah. Christian Wood is a good offensive piece. I will always mention, former running rebel, big fan of Christian Wood. Um, <laughs> but when your additions to supplant the loss of a ball handler and right. shot creator like Jalen Brunson are Christian Wood and JaVale McGee, who, by the way, JaVale McGee was a DNP the other night, so that was a, that's a nightmare. That's, that's atrocious, the way yeah. that they handled this. And that's why I bet them under. And it's why, like, during this stretch, I mentioned that they have failed to cover these numbers. They're still 6-4 and four in these games, but their net rating is a flat zero. And they're laying on average, Kelly, over six points per game. So yeah. the market's like all the way up here. I have my hand all the way up in the air. You can't <laughs> but, but their results are all the way down here. So they're barely skating by. But the market perceives this team as like, you know, 50 plus win. Luka Doncic is incredible. And that just hasn't been the case. Yeah. Okay. So here's a question for you. End of the season, who has a better record, the Mavericks or the Warriors? I'm going to say the Warriors still. Yeah, I think so too. And, and I think, I think that's where, close, so, but. so I think, ta- you know, think about everything we just said about the Warriors earlier and, yep. and what we're saying about the Mavericks now. And I mean, that's, to me, that's how wide open the Western Conference is and why I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about the Golden State Warriors. I think there is, I think when you look at what Luka has done so far this season, and then you look at some, some of the stats that you're just reading off and even the betting stats, it's 091 ATS last 10. That's serious. That should be serious concern if you're a Dallas Mavericks backer, uh, fan, whatever of what the, you know what the future uh, of this season is going to look like. 
And by the way, the quick angle on this too, that uh, I am going to start writing a little bit more going forward until they make some real changes. Um, In-game, Luka Doncic usually plays the whole first quarter and then comes out. Um, mm-hmm. Playing against them and getting some better numbers in-game or, or is, a, is a great way to go. This is already a team that's not covering some numbers, but yeah. they do build leads with Doncic out there, i.e. the Clippers game where they blew a 25-point lead. Uh, it, you can get some pretty inflated numbers, and uh, they really have a tough time covering those. All right, uh, last trend or trash for you, and this is in your neck of the woods. The Miami Heat, 3-11-1 ATS on the season. Worst cover rate in the league. Trend or trash? Trend. Trend. This is a team that I thought was going to take a big step back this year in the East. Um, yeah, Did you I, watch I, the I, Toronto game last night? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I bet I, I hit Toronto live in that game. That, that was twenty-one nothing run for those who didn't watch. <laughs> it was terrible, man. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, this is I, th- this is another one where I mean, look, I think I think losing PJ Tucker was big for them because it was it, this team was so designed off of defense was going to pretty much be everything, right? Defense was going to lead to offense. It was going to lead to easy scores. Um, and now you're talking about a team that. Okay, I, I know we're not talking about, you know, P.J. Tucker's not the greatest player on the planet, but you lose him, and it's just another little piece of that defense defense capability that goes away, and you just don't have, when, it, when, when you need to operate in the half court offensively, this team just doesn't have the same amount of weapons and the same caliber of weapons that some of the other big teams in the Eastern Conference do. I, to me, it's as plain and simple as that. I think we're expecting way too much from Tyler Hero if we think he's going to score 30 points a game or something like that, that it felt like everybody was expecting heading into this season. Uh, and Jimmy Butler just cannot put this team on his shoulders every single night throughout the regular season like we saw him do a lot in last year's postseason. Yep. I completely agree with all of those. And uh, a little controversy bubbling, too, by the way. Uh, you know, a lot of Miami media throwing out their record with Max Struess in the starting lineup as opposed to Tyler Hero. And, you know, Hero promised the starting role before the season began, but he's been missing time. I mean, there's yeah. none of this that is that is surprising to me, JT, yep. right? I mean, it's, I mean, we are still talking about a franchise that develops players as well as anybody in the league. So I think yep. you're, you're almost – if – if Miami and Spolster, if Spolster's running his his team right, him and Pat Riley, they're always going to have players that are pressing for playing time. Um, and, and we've seen that with Max Struess. Um, but you also, at the same time, cannot invest the, the money and the draft capital that you have in a player like Tyler Hero and be having these kind of question, question marks about him at this point in, the, in what, his fourth season? Mm-hmm. Just three quick trends for you. Before yeah, we get out of trend, here, and we trend get on to all our, of them. Though. I think we right. I, think we, I, think I we thought they were pretty strong. The, I think we disagreed on a few of these last time we did it. I'm I'm with you though. I think those are three okay. trends that are absolutely ones to watch going forward that I expect to continue. No. I was going to throw in Brooklyn Nets league uh, lead the league in defensive efficiency since Steve Nash got fired, but then they gave <laughs> up 153 points to the Sacramento Kings, and uh, that is not the case anymore. So, yeah. uh, small sample size. Okay, so we got a Friday look ahead, but very quickly, uh, I want to update the youngsters in the first year, guys, because there is uh, quite the development. So let's do our usual thing here with the rookies. Rookie report. A quick revisit of rookie of the year betting market. Paolo Bencaro has missed the last four games. And uh, I got to say, at this point right now, it is a three-horse race, just given the way that these young guys have been playing. Keegan Murray's starting to fall off. He hasn't really been that productive. Yeah. Um, Jaden Ivey had consecutive 20-point games don't look now. He's 22 to one. I look, I think Matherin, when I was out there in Jersey, I bet him at plus 750 to win the award. Yeah. Um, 
But Bancaro is slipping, and this is what we always talk about, right? Minus 900 was ridiculous. He's still minus 750 at DraftKings and other spots. The shot, I, I don't think there's any question. The shot to take is uh, Jaden Ivey, and uh, I think it's actually just Jaden Ivey at this point at 22-1. to 1. And the Bancaro injury has held him back, and these two continue to produce. This is not the gap the market says it is. No, it's it's not at all. I mean, it was always ridiculous. Just I mean, especially just because of the point in the season that we're in. There's so right. much time left to be played, and guess what? Like what we're seeing right now with Bancaro happens. Injuries happen in this league, and this is. I mean, he he could miss four games, five games, but you go from minus nine hundred real quick down to about minus four hundred, minus three hundred in a course of a season like this. So, um. I, look, Jaden Ivey's been great, great from you know from what I've seen and what the numbers are pointing at here recently. I'm with you. If I had to make a bet right now, that would be the one I'd make. For me, it's a stay away. I don't have a bet in this market uh, this year. I think you you hit it with plus seven fifty with Benedict Matherin. I think he's he would be the guy uh, that I'm that I would be eyeing to make a bet on. I just don't really know if I want to make it at five to one or shorter than that. If I if I can find a number close to you, I would be jumping in. Okay, buddy. Ten games tomorrow. What are you looking at? What do you got circled? I got a few. Was looking into this earlier. Uh, the few I am looking at. It's kind of funny. One team that we did talk about, uh, Mavericks. I, I'll bring them up first. Mavericks. I am considering tomorrow night after a night of rest for Luka Doncic, and then all of these. Uh, I mean, not even injuries. It is just pure illnesses on the Denver side. I I, I think that this is a this is one that I'm probably going to jump in here on tonight um i see an eight out there in the market i i think i'm going to end up laying it because this is one of those things jvt where there could be there could be more players sick on this team by this uh you know by this time tomorrow or you know 12 hours from now that end up getting put you know put on this list as well you're already not going to have murray in there uh eric gordon looking questionable as well he he is truly questionable but you're out you're without Jokic and without murray tomorrow night already heading into dallas uh on a friday night luka Doncic coming off a night where he got a, a rest uh last night i i i know everything we just said about the mavericks but i think i i think i actually would be willing to lay those amount of points i just don't think i don't think the markets i don't i don't think they've adjusted properly for what Jokic and murray are worth to the point spread I think mm-hmm. eight is still a fair number on that one. So looking at that one, I uh, haven't pulled a tr- haven't pulled a trigger on any of these yet. But looking at that one, might play the overnight there. Uh, Wizards, I am looking at against the Heat. We talked about, and then Suns, I am looking at uh, tomorrow night in Utah. Those are, those are the three um, I do have circled right now. Suns, yes. Um, can I throw two of you very quickly that yeah. I had circled? Uh, first off, um, I haven't looked at the injury report. Oklahoma City really catching six against six and a half against Memphis, huh? That is uh, that is a, that is an interesting number given how well the Thunder can play um, and the way that they can match up with a uh, a Grizzlies team that is actually in their own right been pretty poor against the spread and overvalued yes. by the betting market um, and very poor defensively. But Memphis right now five eight and two on the season ATS. So the market again maybe sleeping on Shea and the Thunder. Uh, we mentioned the Warriors. That number is popping seven, but there's six and a half out there. I think I'm gonna get. I'm ready to get hurt again with Golden State uh, laying six laying and a half. It. Yeah, I mean, yep. look, that's, no, as much New York as Knicks. as much as what we said about the Warriors earlier, I, it's still in this spot tomorrow night. It would be Warriors or pass for me. Yep, at home, um, those are the two that really stuck out to me. And I think I'm with you. You know, this number's one for Phoenix on the road against Utah, uh, and I don't know what the status of Chris Paul is. 
but uh, I would assume that he's so yeah, he's somewhat close to returning, we'll say. But even if he doesn't, um, I, th- I like the way this team matches up against a Utah team that continues to play some poor defense. So yeah, that, that's, interesting to see. But that's one I think I'm I think I'm going to put in. I, I think I'm going to put in small bets tonight. Actually, in all three of the ones that I mentioned, uh, yep. just because. I, I mean, I think that Mavericks number is going to continue to grow. Uh, you know, when people start betting into this in the morning, I, I would expect that closes nine and a half, ten, something like that. You know, if there's not any more injuries added on the Denver side of things, um, the Suns, yes, the Chris Paul, uh, you know, Chris Paul factor is is large. But I think what I'll probably do is take a piece of this money line here tonight, see, then wait and see on you know injury news tomorrow. And and look, I'm I'm if Chris Paul plays. I'm still willing to wait, lay a few points with them or get it or look to get in live in that game. So I do like that. That's probably my favorite one for tomorrow night. Um, and look, you got the Wizards. Wizards, you know, really, you know, pretty much back to full strength for almost like the first time this season. And yeah, they collapsed uh, against Oklahoma City the other night. Thunder just always going to play you tough, man. They're always going to play you tough. SGA hit that masterful shot at the end. Um, But I I think I like them with the Heat coming in town. They're, you know, no Tyler Hero. We don't know what's going to happen with Bam Adebayo. I guess, I I don't know. I don't know if you've seen anything. I guess I'm expecting that he does play tomorrow night. The Um, broadcast last night in the Toronto game made it seem like it was like more a night off than anything else. But he is, he is dealing with something. Okay. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the feel I got for it. He is listed as questionable for that tomorrow night, but same thing. I think I'm going to take probably a little piece of a, of a short money line. I see a minus one Oh two out there tonight. And then probably add on to this either. Like if he plays, that's fine. It's still, still a bet against for me. It's a bet on, on the wizards. They, you hear these players talk about all the time. The mo- one of the most annoying trips, if not the most annoying trips for most of these guys, is that Toronto trip and then coming back. So when you're going to Toronto, coming back to the States, still not coming home, going back, to, uh, going to D.C. to play, uh, I, I think this is another bad spot for Miami, and I'm willing to play against them. Kelly Bidlin at Kelly Bidlin on Twitter, right? And even though it's dying? For now. For now. Yeah. yeah for now. <laughs> he's going to start a Discord server here. Pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Might have to check out my Facebook media. after that. <laughs> yep. uh, all right. So we'll take our break here. Uh, on the other side, Tom Burns, SiriusXM is going to join us. Uh, yeah, we got another guest here today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, his thoughts on Utah. He was a guy that actually early on uh, was very high on the Jazz and was betting him consistently. We'll get his thoughts on where he believes the Jazz are at this point right now. Uh, if they're breaking apart, what he makes of the uh, the Golden State Warriors and how his market's shaping up on the Brooklyn Nets. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. All right, welcome back. Good conversation with Kelly again. Always thanks to Kelly Bidlin, who joins us in these later uh, episodes in the week. We also have another conversation coming up. Tom Byrne, SiriusXM, awesome NBA handicapper, uh, was joined us earlier today. We had a really good conversation, so give it a listen. And, uh, of course, make sure that you give Tom a follow on Twitter, at one Tom Byrne. All right, welcome in our uh, one of our favorite guests. If dare I say our favorite guest to Hardwood Handicappers, Tom Byrne, SiriusXM, Mad Dog Radio, and uh, – NBA handicapper extraordinaire. What's up, man? How you been? 
Doing well, man. Back into the thick of things. On my phone way too often, looking at the lines, seeing if they moved, following the market. You know how it is. But it's great this time of year in all seriousness. Now, you're in the same boat as I am. We don't have that much time with all the kids running around. But <laughs> with football, I mean, baseball is over now. But you got college and pro football plus the basketball. I don't know if you want to try college basketball. It gets dicey, man. It's probably a better idea just to concentrate on one. That's the speech I'm giving myself this morning anyway. Maybe just concentrate on the NBA. Let that other stuff go to the side. I was killed at a football earlier in the year, and, of course, now the lines are getting tighter and coming back down to earth. So all NBA for me, maybe. Yeah. yeah so I actually – so on part-time, I do UNLV radio uh, sidelines. So I have a little dabblance in, like, you know, covering the Mountain West. So I've been betting a little Mountain West basketball. Uh, but outside of that, like, that's that's all – yeah, I, I feel like with hoops – I wait until it gets a little bit later and sure the numbers get a little yeah. bit tighter, but uh, you get more data. You get to see these teams and college basketball. Is so situational too. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not easier. That is not the right term, but you can pick and choose your spots, even with some tight numbers, you know? Yeah, you can. And to your point, I wait till later in the season too, when I can watch them a little bit more because I can't even rely on any particular model. Like I have one, but you know, it's tougher to model college basketball in comparison to the NBA. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation for another time. But, yeah, I'm with you. With college basketball, I'll dabble here and there, but not night to night playing overnights or anything like that until close to tournament time, to be honest. Yeah, Rebels got a uh, running Rebels big win over Dayton the other day. It was a very good one for UNLV. All right. All right, let's get into uh, some NBA topics with you. And I actually wanted to start out here on the West Coast because uh, I know that when you and I talked a little bit, um, one of the things that you had brought up uh, when we were texting was the market and how low it was on the Utah Jazz. And that was the case for Utah. What, they were 10-2-1 and one against the spread in their first 13 games of the season. They've fallen off a little bit here, though. Uh, they have failed to cover their last three. They've lost their last three. And the thing that has stuck out to me, Tom, is the fact that their defense uh, has slipped big time. They're now 19th in non-garbage time defensive efficiency. Uh, is Utah officially a pumpkin now? Is the Cinderella story over? Yeah, to an extent, it's a combination of two things in terms of playing them on a nightly basis because I hit on Utah quite a bit earlier on in the season. But at this point, everything you laid out is true. Plus, I think the market was already catching up anyway. And so you have those two factors, and it actually could swing to the point where maybe there's going to be some opportunities to play against them. I believe I did the other night if memory serves. And so to your point, yeah, I mean, they were always destined to come crashing back down to earth. Generally speaking, though, relative to expectation before the year, I still think Utah is a better team than people think. I'm looking now. I have them winning 43 or 44 games. Wow. I mean, that's not bad. I, I don't know that they will. I might have to downgrade them a little bit. It will on its own, of course, naturally. But, you know, I always thought Conley could play. You know that, JVT. I mean, forget about the underrated stuff. We talked about that too long in his career. If anybody's underrated, it's Drew Holiday in Milwaukee. But he's a heck of a player. And, you know, they got some guys back in these deals. They have some grit and toughness with the Kelly Linux. He's another little underrated type of guy. And so, you know, Danny Ainge wasn't necessarily blowing it up to the extent that people assumed he was in Utah. They're kind of in a weird spot. They're going to be somewhere in the middle. Well, and I think what's interesting about a team like Utah or some of these other teams that we thought, which, by the way, their win total bottomed out at like, what, 23 and a half or something like that in the offseason. Yeah, was nuts. Um, but it, it's what happens that is not under, under their control, which is do they start trading a couple more of the guys? Like, does Conley eventually find a different team? Do they find somebody right. to trade for Conley? Uh, does Beasley find somewhere else? Like, all these other guys that are on this team, do they start to ship them off? 
Uh, so I would agree with you. Like, I, I think they're better than what the market was. And obviously they are. It's just whether or not they stay together, which is going to be a yeah. pretty big issue for this team, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. And I think that's one of the reasons why the season win total was so low, because the yep. assumption is they are going to move these guys. Uh, but at what point do you say, you know what? We're winning too many games. Maybe we just try to get into the postseason, you know, create a certain culture. I mean, I always think that mediocrity is a terrible thing in the NBA because now you're stuck in NBA purgatory and it's hard to get out. But if they were going to be in that Victor Wembayama sweepstakes, and this kid is unreal apparently, then you don't start the season with Mike Conley. You don't right. bring in the Kelly Linux of the world. I mean, these guys are going to help them win. They've got some players on that roster. You know, they're going to win games in the Western Conference. And by the time they trade some of these assets, it's too late to realistically win the lottery. Now, maybe you could set yourself up with a 4% chance lottery ball. But, yeah, I still guess that's on the table for sure. Because if they're going to be approached by somebody who thinks that they're a Mike Conley away from winning a championship and they're willing to give up a ton of future assets, then Utah's got to listen, of course. Yeah. I also think uh, they have Will Hardy. I think Will Hardy's kind of a good coach. Like, that's the other thing, too, right? Like, he might maximize everything that they have from a roster standpoint. I mean, we've seen it with Mark Dagonal. Like, Dagonal's been awesome for Oklahoma City, and that team's, like, sneaky good. And they are now, I think they're, again, they're, like, third-best cover team in the NBA. Uh, but that might be a factor for them, too. Like, even if you start to ship some of these guys off, Hardy, I think, is shown in a small sample size. He can coach these guys up. Yeah. I'm with you. Obviously he knows what he's doing and give the guys in that locker room respect because they're allowing him to coach. You know, that's something in the NBA you got to worry about. There's certain guys, they won't allow themselves to be coached. We could easily look at Brooklyn. Mike Conley's been in this league a long time, but he says, you know what, let's give this guy a chance. And that kind of rubs off on everybody else. Plus they have a lot of guys there still trying to prove themselves in the league. So it's an advantageous position for the young coach to be in. But to your point, just look at some of the X's and O's. Good yep. point about Oklahoma City, too. I faded them last night. Obviously, I got burnt, um, especially the money line play, because there was the SGA three-pointer at the buzzer. But how good has he been, by the way? Oh, my gosh. Gilgis Alexander is unfreaking believable I know it's a good position to be in in terms of accumulating stats on a nightly basis, but they're not hollow stats. This kid is no. special. No, well, I, and as a as a Clippers fan, um, there is a tear in my eye watching it because, of course, he was the price essentially that you pay to get Kawhi Leonard because he wasn't going to come to L.A. Uh, without Paul George. And uh, so far, it has been very uneven in terms of the results. So watching him play basketball, it has been special, but it's also been kind of like, man, what could have been? Because that was a, oh, yeah. it was a pretty good – that was, a, a, I guess, eclectic. Would that be a good word? That group that just wouldn't quit. Is Montrose Harrell, Lou Williams, him. Like, there was a – it's a pretty odd Clippers bunch that there was pretty good that year, you know? Yeah, it was. I know. That's a trade. It's interesting. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's Kawhi Leonard. But, again, we're going to find out 10, 15 years down the road when somebody wants to make a few bucks in a book yep. what is really going on with Kawhi Leonard. Because yeah. this is not load management. The, the, enough of that. His camp might be better off just coming out and admitting, hey, listen, this is why we're out. He's got a rare condition. You know, a little like Mike Trout with the back condition, that's extremely rare. Maybe Kawhi has some rare condition that they just don't want disclosed. There's got to be something to this because it's otherwise an absolute disaster. He should get paid otherwise. But, of course, there's something going on. He's very private. He's a weird guy. Kawhi, not a bad guy, but he's just different. He doesn't want anything disclosed to the public. I'm I'm to the point now where this is not load management. This is a guy who has some condition that's not going to allow him to play too many games. So if I'm a yeah. Clipper fan, man, it's just it's like agony. And I know you are because you can't help but watch this team and say, "What if? 
what if Kawhi plays? And you keep trying to convince yourself he's going to play, and he never plays. I, I go back. I remember, I, I think I've, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but the year uh, that they were down 3-2 to Dallas and they eventually won that series, uh, I wrote a piece for the website. Like the headline was the Clippers are the best team in the Western Conference. And I, that was even when they were down in the series because I figured like that was a really good match for them. They came back, they won that series. I thought they were going to win the title that year. I, I, they were incredible. And then Kawhi hurts yeah. his knee and then here we are at this point right now. So let's stay in the Western Conference. Uh, let's talk about some uh, potential contenders. What are your thoughts? Because everybody keeps asking me, and I think the answer is somewhat simple. But the Warriors blow a 50-point performance from Steph Curry last night. It's a 130-119 win for Phoenix. That was the market spot of the day, by the way. That thing opened up Phoenix 2, closed Warriors minus 2. The revenge angle, right, like with the, with the Warriors and Klay Thompson getting ejected in that first game back in Phoenix. So I'll ask you, I have my thoughts on what the problems are for Golden State, but what are the problems in your mind for Golden State? Well, let's start with Klay Thompson. I know he gets upset at anybody who's critical of him. I said this last year. He was not Clay Thompson. He thinks he was. He said, I was last year. I'll be back there again. You weren't really last year. I'm not saying he's not a good player, but he went from a slam dunk top 25 impact player to a top 100 player. That's a big difference. Draymond Green used to be, in terms of impact, top 15 player in the world. Now he's probably top 30. I'm not saying he's terrible, 35, but he's not who he was. They lean way too much on Steph Curry on a nightly basis. Andrew Wiggins is a nice player and really played some big time minutes for them in the postseason, but he's not a great player. And here's the thing about Golden State, man. That was a tremendous run they went on last year. I said this after the year, people got all upset at me. I said, there's hardly any chance they win a championship next year. Oh, what? They're going to win it. Think about what it took for this team to win a championship. And we kept hearing about, well, the next wave is coming. What next wave? They even admitted they just sent James Wiseman to the G League. I mean, these young guys stink. And that's the problem. Jordan Poole was playing well, JVT, last year. He is awful. (laughs) Have you watched Jordan Poole? Is it because Draymond Green tried to knock him out? I don't know what it is, but he is a detriment to what they're trying to do right now. It's it's not a good look. Kaminga's not that good. Moody stinks. They're just not – I mean, we could break down the X's and O's of what Steve Kerr can do to change Mm -hmm. some things up, and they're going to win games. But they're not as talented as people think. There's, they're going to win 50, you know, 50 to 55 games. I think, I think that's what they should do. But they were never a great team just because they won the championship. I think it speaks volumes of what Steph Curry accomplished last year. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think so. The, the meme or the joke with Jordan Poole is that he plays basketball like there's hot chicks watching him all the time. Right. Like he's yeah. just always trying to hit that shot, trying to do everything. And he tries to do too much. And like, like you said, against the Suns, like you need more than two points and oh, a five from the floor, uh, which is what he gave them. And uh, you hit on what, what has been the thing for me that I keep going back to when people ask me about this. We came into this year thinking Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman and Moses Moody were going to be, hey, take steps forward, develop a little bit more, become what we expect you to be. And that has not been the case. You mentioned Wiseman's in the G League. Kaminga was a DNP yesterday. Uh, Moses Moody only played six minutes. Their bench last night was uh, Jermichael Green, Dante DiVincenzo, Jordan Poole, and Anthony Lamb, who, like, I was watching a play the other night. I'm like, who is this? I got to look this up. Um, That's been the problem. Like, their bench was supposed to be great, and that has not been the case. Uh, And I think, like, like you said, are they going to win games? They're going to be in the postseason? Yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. But, like, when you're talking about the difference between them and the other contenders in the Western Conference, that bench is going to make a pretty big difference in terms of winning the West. The bench is going to make a major difference, but also even the starting five. Again, 
Clay Thompson's a Hall of Famer. He's not the old Clay Thompson. He's just not. Draymond Green is a guy who's still impactful. But at the same time, he's not that dude who he was when they were winning chips. I mean, at one point, think about this. I know it was an outlier to an extent, but he had seven threes in a game seven. Yeah. Like now the defenses are begging this guy to shoot from 15 feet. I mean, he looks like Ben Simmons trying to shoot the basketball. So, yeah, to your point, the bench is awful. And the young guys aren't who they tried to convince us they were. And they missed out on their chance to get value for these guys. They should have traded them before the last deadline. So I don't want to hear about the Warriors being this elite franchise with all these enlightened minds in the front office. But look, look to your point, I don't want to go too nuts because watch in a couple months, Steph Curry will be the MVP of the league and maybe Clay Thompson turns it on. The West is good, not great. Mm-hmm. I love this about the NBA. It's wide open. Gone are the days where let's put the Warriors in the West, LeBron in the East. You could do that for ever seemingly in the NBA can't do it this year. So the Warriors are still in the mix, but I guess the point is they were never going to be as great a team as a lot of people assumed they would be. Yeah. Well, and the market keeps chasing those ghosts too, right? Like I, I mentioned the, the game against Phoenix last night, they closed as a road favorite there. Um, yeah. The matchup against Sacramento on the road, they were a four point favorite. They failed to cover that game. Uh, I, I tried to chase the ghost against Sacramento uh, that didn't work out. That was the second matchup. That was on November 7th. They closed an eight-point favorite. I laid seven and a half, and uh, they won that game, but they needed a massive comeback to do it. So the market's still pricing them. Like, they're the Golden State Warriors that we uh, kind of expected, but it is not the case. Five and ten against the spread and some of the worst uh, covers – or, excuse me, one of the worst cover teams in the NBA. All right, let me hit you with one more team from the West and get your thoughts on this. I, want to, I would love to know what your rating is, where you have the Dallas Mavericks, because this team has – Failed to cover a game now. I'm going to get the date. It was the Brooklyn Nets contest. They have not covered a game since October 27th. So we are 10 days from approaching a month from their last cover. The market loves them. Uh, the market almost moves on them every single night. Uh, and yet, here we are. They haven't covered a game since then. And they are terrible without Luka Doncic on the floor. It's led to bone leads. It leads to pretty good in-game opportunities to bet against them whenever Doncic hits the bench after the first quarter, which is generally when he does it. Where do you have the Mavericks rated? Because I think Doncic mucks up a lot of ratings. Yeah, it's a good point. It's funny. I'm plugging him back into the lineup as we speak because I realize I have not done that yet since he didn't play last night. Yeah. Um, Let's see where we have Dallas because you're making a lot of good points on them. Right now I have them winning with the way the roster is being used at the moment, winning 47 games. You know, I mean, look. Still under my win total by a half. I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's not great. It's not bad. It puts them ninth. Now, this that I'm looking at now includes current injuries. So keep that in mind. That's why Philly's at eight. They'll be bumped up naturally when James Harden returns. But that would put Dallas ninth. Look, they're way too reliant on Luka Doncic. As great as Luka is, and I still love him. Like, I heard some people the other day talking about they take Jile over Luka. I would not. Stop. I think Luca's next level. It's ridiculous. Right. But, man, they asked too much of him. His usage yeah. rate is just ridiculous. And it's weird to say this, but it's almost too redundant. Like, it kind of gets old watching them play, and it's just Luca turning and putting his big butt on the defender. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable what you're seeing. But at the same time, it's like, all right, let's do a little something else. Let's get somebody else involved. Mark Cuban has done a lousy job. I know we don't love Mark Cuban to be our owner because he's going to spend, but at the same time, it's a salary cap as soft, but still you've got to be able to get guys in that front office that can figure out ways to get two great players in there. They have one, 
You know, they punted on the Kristaps Porzingis situation. I guess I don't blame him. He hasn't lived up to the hype. He's always injured. But who's that second guy to alleviate some of the pressure from Luka? And here's the question I throw at you, which I think is interesting. Who do you target to play with Luka? Is it another ball handler? Is it a big for pick and rolls? Like, who would you, JVT, target if you're the Dallas Mavericks? Who's that secondary guy? I mean, I think if you're talking about a perfect fit, it would be like a more off-ball guy who could catch and shoot and be really effective in that way, attack closeouts, things like that. But I think right now, the way this roster is constructed, they desperately need another shot creator. Like, they they miss Jalen Brunson, like, in a really big way. They do. Right? Like, I agree. And that's – I was amazed. So I bet them under their win total of 48 and a half. Like, I was amazed looking at them in the offseason, and their response to losing Brunson was like, all right, Christian Wood and JaVale McGee. Like, what? Okay, like you, I like he's a former running rebel. I'm all in on Christian Wood and his development story. You know what I mean? Right. And JaVale McGee's a fine big, but when you're trading in two forwards for you know Jalen Brunson, that's a massive drop off, and you're you're really seeing it. Like they are hurting for it. So I would say like perfect fit. You want like an off ball guy who works really well, but right now maybe you need anybody who can create. Well, that's why I asked because 100. percent Assuming that Luca wants to be this guy the facilitator yeah. with the ball in his hands an awful lot. And they're going to do whatever Luca asks. Cause he's a little bit of a whiner. Then you need somebody who could just go to the corner and catch and shoot, you know, Clay Thompson in his prime. Now there are many of those guys, but that's like the type of player. Cause he could catch and shoot. Obviously he doesn't need to dribble, but to your point, they are missing Jalen Prince. Like they need somebody to every once in a while to be able to run the offense, especially with the second team. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting. Dallas is a team I got my eye on because they need to make some changes. And look, he's not from Dallas. I don't see why Luka Doncic is a lifelong maverick. I don't hear any, hey, I think Luka's going to leave stuff. But I don't know that he wants to be in Texas forever. I know there are no state taxes. I don't know that that keeps him there. If I'm a Dallas Maverick backer, I'm getting a little annoyed. It's time to get going a little bit. To your point, Christian Wood's a nice player. That can't be your prize pick up in the offseason by the way christian wood a process under sam hinkey by the way got his bag just like jeremy grant i might add anyway think about that team that won 10 games they would look pretty good together right now but that's neither here nor there with two picks coming up and two max contract but let's kick yep. them out of the league uh and really quick too to your point about the usage for him uh to give people an idea of what we're looking at here james harden's usage rate um in his career, he has surpassed for a season his uh, usage rate of 40% twice, 40.4% in the 2017-2018 season, then 43.9% 2018-2019. He was awesome Don, in that 2017-2018 season. He was, but to, to your point about using him too much, Doncic, his usage rate has been over 40 each of the last three seasons, and he's at 42.6% this season. That's insane. That's too much. It's too much. It's too much. They got to do something about it. Yep. So that's been one of my favorite kind of things like uh, hounding on here has been uh, these Mavericks games in terms of uh, betting against them, betting them under as well, because those bench units really start because actually their bench to give them credit still, they're actually really good defensively. Um, it's just their offense. that really stinks. And so you get some of these games that are lower scoring, but I think it's four out of the last six games and I've got seven out of the last 10 that have gone under the total for them. Um, that's been a, a winning angle for the Dallas Mavericks betting their games under the total. Uh, but man, like even the other night, so, so I bet, uh, I bet the Clippers, I took seven with the Clippers. They were getting blown out. They were down by 25. And then that yeah. bench gets on the floor and they come, the Clippers come storm me back. And Why you need Doncic to, to hit a three to essentially ice it for you. 
Uh, the Mavericks have been a, a really nutty story. And um, I'm not sure the market's really caught up with how poor they've been when it comes to um, their cover rate at this point right now. All right, a couple more things to get to. Tom Byrne with us, SiriusXM again, uh, Mad Dog Radio. When are you on on SiriusXM? What's your schedule? Wednesday through Sunday. So Wednesday, we Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, Mad Dog Sports Radio tonight, beginning at 9 Eastern time, 6 Pacific. Saturday is a little earlier, 7 Eastern time, 4 Pacific. Then Sunday's point after begins right after the second window of NFL games. You're one place to react on SiriusXM. Look at that. You had a, you had the spiel all ready to go. Uh, all right. Let's go to a couple more teams. So I'll ask this, and I, I'm kind of going Western Conference focused with you, but I think that it's an interesting conference. You mentioned it. Like, it's not as good. I think it's just a conference that's going to cannibalize on itself with a bunch of teams that are really near one another. Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back the other day. What do you make of Memphis? Because I have their bet, I have bet their win total under 51. Uh, that was a market high, close 48 and a half. They have not really been covering numbers. They're only at a 38.5% clip in terms of their cover rate. They're floating around nine and six. I think they're relatively poor defensively. I think they're missing Kyle Anderson, DeAnthony Melton, and Jaron Jackson Jr., who now, as I said, is back on the floor. What have you made of Memphis so far through 15 games? little disappointed. I have on the 45-win team at the moment, yeah. which is not where I expect them to be. Jackson Jr. helped. Sometimes I do think he gets a little too three happy, but he's obviously a nice player. Big who could stand the floor, bouncy. So that'll make him better. I do wonder about John. I love him. He's so fun to watch. He's a must-watch league pass guy. But is there some truth to what Barkley says in terms of making teammates better? The record would indicate, yeah. I mean, I yeah. can't think of another star he could leave and somehow their winning percentage over a relatively large sample size would be better. And so there might be something there. But Memphis is a young team trending in the right direction. If I'm a Grizzly fan, I'm still elated, but I am a little concerned that maybe they're not quite as good as we thought. So to your point, there has been a couple of good opportunities to fade them. Um, I'd have to look what their next matchup is. I can't even remember off the top of my head, but it's ter in terms of watchability, man, I love watching Memphis. Desmond Bain's a much bigger factor for them than people think. Desmond Bain is probably a little underrated. In terms of impact and winning, I think people probably overrate Morant and underrate Bain. Um, their next game is actually, I would circle as probably one of the more fun games we're going to see in a while. Uh, they host Oklahoma city. Oh my so that'll gosh. Be, yeah, that'll, be, be there. <laughs> that'll be freaking awesome. Uh, if the Shea Gilders Alexander taking on um, John Morant and I, yeah. like, and I agree with you, like this is an angle that I haven't bet on um, bet against enough because I came into the season thinking that this team was a little overvalued Right. A lot of people saw what had transpired last year, think they're the same team, not realizing how much they lost from a season ago, how much worse their bench is from a production standpoint and from a defensive standpoint. And you're finally starting to see, right, like the difference. So you mentioned the winning record without John Morant. This is the first year now where they actually have a negative uh, net uh, net rating with him off the floor. They're minus 7.3 per 100 possessions when he's off the floor it's finally started to transpire where this roster, I mean, you can't keep so many guys, right? So Kyle Anderson leaves, yeah. Anthony Melton leaves, and all of a sudden you're looking around, you're like, all right, we like Desmond Bain and we like Jake LaRavia or whatever his name is, right? But like at the same time, we're a little bit worse than we are at this point. And I think that's, uh, we're starting to see that here. So I just, I figured I'd bring that up because I wanted to see where you rated them if I was yeah. maybe a little off, um, especially too, because the thing I've been harping on with Memphis that a lot of people have pushed back on me has been their defense, but right now they're 18th in defensive efficiency. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not as good as a lot of people think they are in that regard. So I'm really interested to see how their season turns out because I don't think I'd really be surprised if they finished like sixth or maybe even seventh. 
I think the loss of Melton because of what you brought up in terms of the defense. Yep. I think the loss of Melton hurts more than people know. Absolutely. All right, let's go to your neck of the woods, East. So I want to throw two more teams at you here before you get me out of here. First off, uh, I always love this question because, as, and I'll ask you as somebody who has a model uh, and loves numbers and everything just like I do, there's no number that can answer this question. What are we doing with the Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Plug away. Plug away uh, in the model and tell me what it tell me what it says about whatever's going on with Brooklyn. They're a 500 team, basically. Yeah, that's what that's what that tells me. And my eyeballs kind of agree. I think they're probably better than a 500 team, obviously, if they're whole. But do we trust them to be whole? So they're impossible to predict. If somebody could tell me how many games Kyrie Irving's going to play, I might have a better idea. How many games Ben Simmons is going to play? Is Ben Simmons going to look like the old Ben Simmons or this mm-hmm. version of Ben Simmons? which is not the same dude. And so now you got Kevin Durant pulling and Aaron Rodgers, basically pointing the finger at his teammates. Boy, did that bother me? That was so weird. If you're one of these guys, he named names. Yep. Come on, man. That's, that's a rat in the locker room. They've got major issues. So, you know, on one side of the coin, I'm very tempted to play them tonight, getting two and a half against Portland, especially if Nurkic doesn't play because, you know, they just have, more talent even with those guys he mentioned they should beat in theory portland but then the other side is portland's been phenomenal is this a classic buy low sell high situation Mm -hmm. or is it just portland's better and they're gonna whip the floor up with i don't know you know bottom line is my point they're really difficult to predict so while they're probably a i think should be approached as a 500 team we all know their ceiling goes higher and that's why you know Last night, this morning, I'm thinking about playing the Nets tonight. Yep. Uh, I would, too. And even I, I was waiting for the uh, injury information because that's the one thing. Nurkic makes uh, Portland a little bit better. And yeah. I don't know how much you like uh, the shot quality stuff. Some of that shot quality data that's out there paints a picture of, uh, we'll call it some regression coming for the Portland Trailblazers defense. I don't think they're really that good defensively. I do love the shot quality stuff. I didn't realize their NBA data was even out yet. I couldn't find it. Well, it was, I was looking at, uh, so cleaning the glasses, like location effective field goal percentage. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah cleaning the glasses. Of, yes. Yep. yes effect, and, I love that stuff. Yep. Yeah. So they're uh, right now, according to the, the uh, I call it shot quality data, which essentially it is. Um, but according yeah. to cleaning the glasses, location effective field goal percentage, the Portland trailblazers have uh, defensive effective field goal percentage currently of 53.4%. Uh, but according to the location effective field goal percentage, they should be last at 55.4%. Wow. Okay. I hadn't seen that. I knew it'd be close to those numbers, but I didn't realize that last. Yeah. That just strengthens the point. But again, it's hard to trust Brooklyn. Yep. It's hard to trust Brooklyn. And that's why, you know, I've been going back and forth. So they're a team. It's probably better just to stay away from, but that's not me. I still think I'll probably play it if I see value one way or the other. When Kyrie Irving gets back, they'll become much more interesting to see if they start taking off or not. No, so I'll get you out of here on this last one. So I, uh, at the beginning of the season, I thought the Philadelphia 76ers had a chance to be the one seed in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Joel Embiid conditioning issues and mysterious plantar fascia and James Harden yeah. uh, and his issues. So I, I've, I've really whittled this down, and I have, uh, I have come out with the highest-rated team in the Eastern Conference. It's Milwaukee, man. Giannis Antetokounmpo is incredible. Brooke Lopez is a defensive player of the year candidate. They haven't even been whole. 
they haven't had their top three small forwards at all this year, and they've been ripping off wins and covers. Like, their injury issues have kind of caught up with them over the last couple of games, but that's exactly what it is. It's not anything in terms of play. It's just they're missing bodies. Once this team's complete and Drew Holiday's fully healthy and Chris Middleton comes back, why isn't Milwaukee the best team in the Eastern Conference, or perhaps in the NBA? They very well might be, but I've been high on Boston, you might remember. Yeah. So I make the two teams. I put Boston there, and they're going to get Robert Williams back, and I put Milwaukee there. Even relative to my high expectations, Milwaukee's been phenomenal because, to your point, they're missing their small forwards. They're missing Middleton. They're missing Ingles. Again, I think Drew Holiday is so much better than people know. I look at him as a top 15 player in the world. His impact on both sides of the floor. I mean, can even question it. And Giannis. I'm not saying he doesn't get his due. He's won two MVPs, for goodness sakes. But, man, people I still don't think he doesn't Giannis get his due. He would. He, yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't gush over him the way we would somebody else putting up these numbers and this sort of dominance on a nightly basis. I'm not sure. Is it because he's not American? Is it because it's Milwaukee? I don't know what it is, uh, but Giannis is, I mean, at this point, I think it's realistic to say he could end up a top 10 player in the history of the sport. Dude's on the next level. So to me, it's those two. Philly's an interesting wild card of a team. Embiid was lousy going through the doldrums early in the year. Then we find out, oh, it's because he's out of shape. Here we go again, the plantar fasciitis. And then he puts up one of the greatest performances I've ever seen on Sunday night. I don't know if anybody outside of Philadelphia saw it, but my God, it was Will Chamberlain-esque. First person in the history of the sport to do it since blocks being recorded. That's after putting up 42 the night before. So he feels back, but you still want to see Harden and Embiid do this together. You know what I mean? And that's when you'll feel comfortable because the good news, despite a lousy start, was James Harden was looking a lot more like the old James Harden. Now, maybe holding on to the ball too long, but that's what comes with James Harden, of course. That's why I would like to get these two guys in rhythm together, large sample size, see what this team looks like. They could be in the mix with those two, but the safer selections right now are definitely Milwaukee and Boston. Yep. All right, Tom. Appreciate it, man, as always. And, uh, of course, we'll catch up again soon. And one more time, SiriusXM, um, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Wednesday through Sunday, correct? Yes, it is. Wednesday through Friday, 9 Eastern Time, 6 Pacific. You're asking me to do it again. Saturday, right. 7 Eastern Time, 4 Pacific. Then, of course, point after after the 425 Eastern Time game of the day. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, big thanks to Tom Byrne, who's nice enough to give us some time here today. Again, a big thanks to Kelly Bidloon, who was with us earlier in the episode. And, of course, thank you for listening to Hardwood Handicappers. Always would appreciate a like, rate, review, and subscribe of the pod. And we will talk to you next week here on Hardwood Handicappers.